Hi, welcome to Steeping DIY, a podcast presented by Doors at Seven. I'm Noelle, one of your hosts and a member of Doors at Seven, and I'm going to now introduce my other friends who are also a part of Doors at Seven. Hey, I'm Katie. I was a PA on the documentary, and now I'm a production coordinator. Hi, I'm Casey. I'm pretty much the photo man. (laughs) Hi, I'm Dylan. I worked as a videographer on the documentary, and I work as the social media coordinator for the Doors at Seven. (laughs) So basically, we brought you guys this podcast because we not only want to shed a light onto the work we do, but the work that our friends do, our fellow musicians, artists, creators, etc. Today, we're going to be doing a QA and a about the documentary, the door days, and everything that went into planning Exit 18 and everything else that's going to be happening this year. So we're just going to jump right into the Q&A now. Uh, We went to our Instagram, and I'm going to shamelessly plug it here right now, at doors at the number seven. And we asked you guys to send us some questions you had, and uh, yeah, we're just going to jump right into that right now. So the first one was, how did the documentary come to be? Noelle, that's all you. (laughs) Which, uh, yeah, uh, basically I had this idea about creating a documentary about the New Paltz DIY scene. It felt too big and special to so many people for it to just not really be known of anymore since the pandemic had come and the music scene basically like obviously died at that point because we couldn't go to shows, everything like that. And I wanted to uh, enter a film in the Woodstock Film Festival, and I saw they were taking submissions. So that's when Casey comes into play, and I had pitched him the idea at our workplace, for one. What better place to discuss ideas? (laughs) Uh, And so we spitballed the idea there for a hot second, and then I shared it with Dylan, and then Katie was always kind of there throughout the process of it. But you didn't join us till about three weeks into filming, if I am correct. Yeah, I've always supported the idea and all that jazz, but I didn't really start filming with you guys till like three weeks in with Salutations was my first interview. And my favorite memory of Katie is from that interview of her standing on the couch in the cold on the porch holding the boom mic. My feet froze that day. Mind you, we are in a sunroom that is not insulated, and we are just, we have three cameras set up in like a, I would say, 200 square feet. uh, If we're lucky. If we're lucky, (laughs) space. And it is about seven degrees outside. We had to bring out space heaters. It was in the middle of winter. Middle of winter. We had to bring out space heaters and everything. But we got it done, and yeah. Katie was a, she was a real champ for holding it up that long. I was a trooper. (laughs) We also had to pause the take at one point with them when we were shooting. Do you guys remember that? Because um, my parents came home and we were, and the dogs were barking. Oh, I forgot about that. I also forgot about that. So we had these three guys just sitting on our couch we'd never really met them before and they're just hearing this chaos of dogs barking and everything but they got a bathroom break while it happened that is true we did give to have a bathroom break and you know take a second to be like so on that's also where we met our good friends nathan and kurt shout out to you guys <laughs> shout out nathan kurt <laughs> Yeah, really shout out to both of them. Great guys. I love uh, that we get to work with them still after meeting them. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's that's how it came to be. 
we just kind of came together and we're like let's let's make this and i was not expecting nearly half the support from the community that we got when we uh first announced that we were making the doc because i didn't know a single soul really in the community besides a few faces see i knew no one (laughs) i was a beginner in the uh scene in the in the diy uh but the next question is how long did it take to make uh it took like well when did we start we started january the first weekend of january i remember because shout out to johnny manna he was our first interview we've shot with and that that was before you guys were shooting with me too it was literally me johnny and the camera um but it was okay it went down pretty well and he's in the film too for those who haven't seen it but shooting took us like three months i want to say i feel like yeah because our last interview was march March 13th i think yeah which is Um, crazy to think about in retrospect that it only took that long yeah with how many people we met with we met i think over with 50 bands or so and and this is like not just 50 bands like this was band members this was community figures this was a bunch of people we had met in such a short span of time and we had to work with covid being in the picture too which was crazy difficult when you think about it honestly big thanks to everybody that drove out and dealt with covid just to take the time to answer our questions and be a part of this project i agree because this is before the vaccine was out too only i think i was the only vaccinated person first because uh, i was lucky enough to be able to get vaccinated right away um but obviously we followed covid protocols uh the best we could we social distanced we wore masks on set uh we wore k95s on set now i think about it um but yeah it took us three months to three months to shoot and then it took me about another three or four months to edit it and i was hoping to have way more time to edit it too but then i started working on another movie and i had to i was like okay well i have to finish this before that movie starts otherwise i'm not gonna have any time to finish this but we got it done dylan do you want to read out the next question sure uh what were our biggest struggles during this Hmm. i would have to say that the lack of a studio when we first started was the biggest struggle because we just did not have any security um with a lot of those initial shoots we were outside recording in the snow and negative temperatures because either we couldn't be inside of a place or we just didn't have access i remember a great instance of uh our friend eddie we recorded with him and we were about to have another interview right after and he literally offered up his space for us to use because he didn't want us recording in the freezing snow and then offered to make us coffee (laughs) shout out to you eddie yeah big shout out to eddie for that especially like just in general too because after we filmed with eddie too eddie ended up working with us at the door days festival but we'll get into that a little later but yeah shout out to eddie if you're listening at all is there any Uh, other struggles you you guys can think of personally i was thinking about driving to different places because we didn't do it all here no so 
for the I want to say the first for not even the first leg a majority of filming the documentary we would meet at my house because we all lived at Kingston at the time and we would probably drive to New Paltz for maybe two to four hours every Saturday and Sunday almost to shoot with everybody and that was that was so taxing like having to get gas that much driving the 30 minutes like every day rest in peace Noel's gas tank yeah literally RIP to my gas and I I have a car that takes fucking premium gas so it is the most expensive type of gas to get in New York State at least and that was pretty difficult on my bank account I'm not gonna front but it's okay because we shot the film and it was worth it literally i i would complain about it but i would be like this is for literally the sake of the art we're making so that was that is was the payout but i agree dylan and i also drove to new york city at one point and that was a hard drive to make because it was early when we left too but we got great vegan chinese food we did we had a great we had a great day honestly yeah um but the next question is did you have a favorite interview? Oh, this is hard. Everybody's was really great. Um, I loved everybody, honestly. Yeah, but I don't know. I do have a few that stick out I to do, me. I think I do too. But oh, they were all so great because we got to hear so many different stories and things about the community from so many bands and artists. Yeah, I think my favorite though. I have like three. I really like the salutations one. That was really fun. Um, and then I also really liked Elijah and Caleb's. Just to hear like in depth the like inside job and stuff of like the scene. It and was crazy. also getting to hear the origins. Yeah. Because I always wanted to know more about what started the community and they kind of gave a much better picture than I had really gotten to start off with in the community. So shout out to our boys, really Elijah yeah. and Caleb. Oh, the sweetest guys. I would so say sweet. my favorite interview is also Salutations. Mm. Just because it was the most DIY, you know what I mean? Like that whole setting, being cold, getting the space heaters out, placing our mics and stuff so carefully. It was just so DIY and it just felt so like raw. No, I agree. And like we said earlier, we got to meet two of our very close friends, that's Nathan true. and Kurt, through that interview. Um, and see, see, for me, that's one of the things I loved the most about filming was all the great, amazing people we met. Like, mm -hmm. uh, And like now a year later, looking at yeah. the connections and relationships we have with a lot of the people we shot with. Like, like we remained... Like, we remained friends with them. Like, Caleb, he is a main editor for Exit 18, the magazine, and he helps with so many other things that we do. Um, I think a few of them stick out to me, a few of the interviews. I would say... Joe Davis. Joe Davis. Oh, my God. Shout out to Joe Davis if you're listening. Elephant Jake. Elephant Jake was great. Um, Imposters. Imposters. Oh, my gosh. Imposters had such great answers, too. Benchmark. Benchmark. When they were still Benchmark. Oh my god, when Benchmark was Benchmark. Do you guys remember those days? <laughs> now they're New Vision. But I really, you know, I forgot about how much I enjoyed Joe's because it was the first time stepping in the Crossroads basement after... Oh my god, I just got chills thinking about it, actually. After... No, I'm serious. Because, like, Crossroads was, like, for me at least, was, like, being able to go to Crossroads, enjoy the shows, and I met... And Casey, you and I 
became friends again when we ran into each other at crossroads waiting so, in line for the bathroom waiting in line for the bathroom i love that it's always the bathroom line <laughs> like just a lot of magic happened in that house it was a genuinely surreal experience that yeah. you looked forward to every single weekend you could spend there being at their shows just i felt like a, this is a home this is a community say, for like me a second home like sure. yeah like it was just like being and then having that taken away from us because COVID happened and shows just stopped. It was just like, it felt so ripped away. And I guess being able to like go to that house one more time and include it in the documentary and like, just it was very full circle and I was glad I got to get like a good buy from it essentially in that point. Um, but yeah, as for favorite interviews go, there there was just so, so many great ones. I don't know if I could fully pick just one, but Yes, thank you again to everyone who was in the documentary who would not have been able to make it without you. Uh, did you guys have a favorite part about making it, the doc? Well, I just loved hanging out with you guys, honestly. It was just so great to see you guys every weekend, every however often we met, and it was just great to work with you guys. Awesome getting close with each other, especially on those car rides. <laughs> <laughs> I do agree with that. Also, like you guys kind of inspired me to be more creative and just like being surrounded by that just, I don't know, makes me so happy. I also really enjoyed having the opportunity to essentially give back to the community that invited us in. Yes. Yeah, I agree because so many people had thanked us at the interviews they were like we love what you're doing like thank you so much for doing this for the community and that was crazy because i was like whoa like i used to come to the shows for you people and like i was thanking you for the music you were making and stuff so like for that to happen was like really surreal for me i would have to say uh and then lastly uh for this part of the the categories this is the doors at seven one for those who didn't figure that out um the last one is what did we learn from making the doc i learned that organization is key or just like you got to get it figured out first you got to plan well you got to you got to do everything yeah planning and organization came so big into play mm -hmm. not even just for the documentary but which brings us into the next question of how much planning did Door Days take? And for those who don't know, Door Days was a two-day music festival we did. And on the second night of the festival, the documentary was going to premiere. And it was just going to be a great way to get the community together once again to just enjoy the film and see each other play and everything like that. And oh my goodness, that took so much planning. I'm going to hop back in real quick and backtrack. Oh. <laughs> just to emphasize how strong and powerful it is to have an actual community that is the one thing that i really realized yeah. with all of this because there was a lot of strength in the community before but to actually see what covid did to the community and then to see what people still gave for the community after the fact to see everybody come together and actually like put in the work even though they didn't have to honestly the documentary wouldn't have happened without the community. No, And not at all. also, door days would not have happened without the community. No. And they are what made the planning possible. Yeah, I would have to agree. Because without the community, who's going to come to a festival if you and don't have them? And also help make it happen. Yeah, which goes back to what we said about Eddie, because Eddie helps work at door days, too. Uh, we had an entire staff team we had to plan out. Uh, 
we had not only staff, but we had photographers and videographers on site with us. We got food vendors at one point. We had to get security. So much planning did go into door days. And we also would not have been able to do door days without our friends over at Fawcett, which are Caleb, Nathan, and Kurt. The homies. <laughs> uh, I met with them maybe once or twice a week for like four or five months just to get door days planned out. Oh, so how did we pick the bands? Well, that's a fun one. That's also an easy one to answer, I would have to say. Um, if, for those who didn't notice, all of the bands that played at Dora Days, well, most of them. The mass majority. The mass majority of them, they were in the film, or they were at least interviewed for the film. Um, so that's how we picked them, I would have to say. Yeah, it is. How did you pick a venue? That was hard through lots and that lots was of really hard, hard. Work. <laughs> yeah that was very difficult because and stressful so stressful yeah very stressful because with a venue comes like with an actual live established venue comes a lot of responsibility responsibility yeah that's a great way of saying yeah. it actually um because uh we had so many thoughts of a venue we originally were like, okay, we could do, we could do it maybe at a house show venue, but to think we actually considered the chance, the chant, the risk that <laughs> that plays is, you know, if it's not at a venue that's technically filed as a business and stuff like that, where you have permits, that's risky, especially for what we had up at stake. Because if that gets shut down, that's just heartbreaking, you know, not being able to get to see yeah. that happen. I think like the biggest determining factors had to come down to making sure as many people would have access to being able to come as possible. So trying to keep costs down, um, trying to keep the location as close as possible. We knew going into this that the reason the shows worked so well in New Paltz is because you could literally walk to the show. Yes. And we were so disappointed that we couldn't find somewhere that yeah. could fit what we were trying to do yeah. for door days in New Paltz. But, you know, that's where Blueprint kind of came in as that very happy medium. Yes, I agree. Still upholding DIY. Mm -hmm. Really awesome space to honestly do it. I mean, in a parking lot, parking lot of, in yeah. an old IBM building. Like, who can say they did that? Which also is pretty full circle, too, because Door Days was held literally in um a parking lot with like a state like a literal stage built into this parking lot across the street from the studio space we got to film doors at seven at which was very cool and i was like wow it's like we've been here before basically but we ended up working with blueprint to uh basically make door days come to life and that was a great venue i think for it because it again was very diy feeling still there as well i don't think that we could have found a better one to do what we needed to do and fun fact it almost didn't even happen yeah so for blueprint which this is nothing against them because they they were like this is just a requirement for us to do it do space events here we need to get insurance so we had to get event insurance and our insurance agent did this very last minute, very, very last minute. And we literally, word for word, like, I wish I was joking about this, an hour before doors were supposed to open. No, was it an hour before? You were there with me. It was, How? Like, two it was like two hours before 
doors were going to open for the first day of door days and we still had not gotten the green light from blueprint that we could fully go in with the event and we were just all waiting in the parking lot on the stage, on the stage. nothing was set up yet we were all our cars had all the gear in it everybody was anxious everyone was so anxious because it's like there's about 10 bands that are about to come play there some of them are from out of state like it was the pressure was on at this point because it was like if we can't do the event here we need to find a backup location as soon as we can and it was just it was like a movie scene oh my god it was literally a movie it was it was crazy (laughs) caleb was on the phone with the people from blueprint and he just he just sticks his thumb up in there like just like okay green means go we got the green light everybody flew every off sprints the off of this stage it was hysterical honestly mm-hmm. i mean despite I was, the stress yeah, yeah. But i remember because i showed up later than everybody else because i was on a duncan run for everybody mm-hmm. um but i remember pulling up and almost as soon as i pulled up with everybody's duncan i just saw everybody run to their cars and start ripping equipment out of them and just throwing everything together as fast as they could to make the day happen it yeah. was crazy it was i have chills thinking about yeah, it though, it was like a movie it was yeah. and that wasn't the only movie moment that happened because this goes into the next question which is walk us through what happened during each day at the festival so basically you guys got to hear how that the first day started which was us waiting for the green light as if door days was gonna happen or not but it did uh so after that entire movie scene of a moment um we set up for door days and the first day in my opinion went really great it was wildly so successful it was yes. so good you know what was really good the shrimp tacos <laughs> from what is it called off the hook off the hook shout out off the hook yo so good oh my gosh for a seafood for the only food truck we could get at this place to be a seafood truck it was a pretty good hit yeah, like yeah. i think almost everybody tried the off the hook man's food for sure shout out to john herring for making that happen yeah john herring had like a list of food trucks go Jono! and then he got us off the hook for the first day and then somehow my dad pulled <laughs> through for the second day with his friend what's the name of them gypsy on the run yeah, they were good too though which was really good but day one was this what a typical food truck looks like it's like an actual food truck you know has the kitchen on it and then gypsy on the run which still again amazing food still was a literal pickup truck with like a hot dog stand in the pickup bed (laughs) of the truck diy it it was legit diy um but overall the first day i thought was really good yeah we had a great turnout especially by the end of the night Mm mm-hmm some really great performances by people happened that night too and then day two happened apocalypse day basically the day where god's wrath was just (laughs) shed on us because the second day was going great it was it was predicted it was gonna rain but we were like we're gonna try to get through as much of the festival as we can for day two which we did we did we tried we did we got through the first half of the day we even tried to be prepared like we went out and bought like tents tents tarps tarps, cement blocks cement Cement blocks yep like everything we were literally prepared for the worst and then we were not prepared for the worst worst than the the worst worst happened yeah (laughs) quite literally the worst of the worst happened it started pouring right during blue chip set torrential rain and then the wind 
If it was just rain, I think we would have been kind of okay. But the wind, it was like a hurricane. <laughs> it literally was, was a like hurricane. a hurricane. I remember looking over the Catskill Mountains and seeing it slowly roll in. Yeah. And all of us just be like, oh my god. One of my favorite moments, actually, from that day was when the blue chips were in the middle of their set. And they were like here it comes and it just, it just starts hit it like, hits and i it, that also felt like a like movie. a movie because a movie, yeah. you had so many people like first of all we had to figure out how to protect all of the gear and stuff that was on the stage and then we also had the sound booth which was in the middle of the parking lot and you have like a bunch of people running to the sound booth because we had our computers in there we had cameras in there we had so much that would get destroyed by the rain and we had these tents up and i just remember everyone grabbing a corner of the tent yeah, the tents, were, the tents were gonna fly my shirt was unbelievably drenched after holding that tent. it felt like i had taken a shower no part of me was dry and i just it was crazy as horrific as it was, it was super wholesome seeing a lot of these people that I had no idea who they were helping to hold the tents from flying away. <laughs> yes, no, literally, like I like I remember Sean Brennan from Run for the Whales was there, and he was just like, "Hold it down!" And it was it literally felt like the world was ending again. Like it just showed like how great of a community New Paltz is. It felt like we were a ship at sea during like a really bad storm. Yes. yes, yes, that is a great way of saying it, actually. And while the show did not continue, we steered it back to safety. We did. So due to this massive rainstorm that had come through, uh, we could not finish out door days, nor could the documentary be shown. And so basically, I remember it was us and the faucet guys in Blueprint, soaking wet. We had a bunch of other people there with us and we're like, this festival's still on, what's happening? And it was chaos inside too, because we're laying gear out to see what's destroyed, what wasn't destroyed. And all of a sudden, people start coming in, freaking out about asbestos. Asbestos. (laughs) Literally bugging out about asbestos in the building. In an abandoned building we're in, by the way. Like, this isn't a functioning building, and this is no shade to the people who brought that up. Because if they listen... It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a valid, it's a point, valid not, reason to be worried. Yeah. But in this moment, my I'm shut down. I'm, like, in a state of shell shock. I'm just like, I'm just like, oh my god. Like, I was like that really just happened like and i'm like there's destroyed equipment around me i was like who knows if the blue chips instruments are good if everything was okay with them and i just was like this is not the moment this is not the time and and everyone was like so what are we doing and i'm like i don't know what we're doing here you know and do you remember that when it was just me you nathan and caleb at one point just trying to figure out what we were gonna do yeah it was just it was chaotic it was very chaotic but we decided to move the showing of the documentary to our DIY venue, Tallgrass, which in itself was very... It was very wholesome, and it still was, like, it was a great experience. It was very intimate. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it was more intimate and felt more personal because, like, you you had people... We still had a, we had a great turnout, actually, mm-hmm. for it being the documentary shown in our backyard, basically. But it was good, and we got to... And it also rained. Yeah, then it rained that night, too. But luckily, it started raining towards the end of the film. And everyone actually stayed 
throughout the rain to watch the rest of the movie too which was really great to see but that is what happened each day during the festival just just a bunch of chaos (laughs) will there be another i would love to do another festival actually like i genuinely would it's just a lot of planning and a lot of work calling all people that have those connections to make it happen yeah to be fair like if we had more of a budget and more people willing to do it not saying what we did with faucet wasn't great because it was it was a great first year but we want to be able to have it be bigger maybe three days instead of two you know we want to put more more uh, like more things to do and artists to include for another festival but i definitely don't want to shoot the idea down i'm never gonna say no there won't be another festival because you never know you never know and maybe there's already one in the works i guess you're just gonna have to keep listening if you want to find out uh and then we're just gonna move into the last portion of questions which relate to exit 18 an independent magazine that we publish monthly so basically the question is where did the idea come from and dylan i feel like you're the best to talk about this because we basically text each other the same day about it yeah so i was bored because i had a COVID exposure so i had to be in quarantine so i was like hmm what can i do creatively that would keep me from going insane so basically i made a fake magazine cover and i sent it to noelle and i was like we should do a mag and she was like of course i've always wanted to do a mag and i was like oh my god here it goes and then of course we started from there. That's what we did. We we made a Exit 18 happen. And the name kind of came from Casey a little bit when you think about it. Because what was your original idea? Platform 18? Oh, Christ. I think, I think it was Platform 18. Yeah. yeah. And then I just really liked how Exit 18 sounded. And I was like asking everyone else, I was like, do we, do we like this? And for those who don't realize, Exit 18 is the New Paltz exit on the New York State Thruway. So original. So original, right? You know? (laughs) Uh, But the next one is, how did you come up with the themes for each month? So this is uh, one of our Doors at Seven meetings. So we have some... It was our first one, eh? Well, like first official... First official Doors at Seven meeting. Post-documentary. Post-documentary, yes. Yes. Um, And we just brainstormed ideas we threw out things that we think could be themes we talked about each and then we just basically decided which ones we liked and didn't and we we have like a list for every month like for the rest of this year but i'm sure we're gonna probably change some of them yeah it's just it's trial and error error (laughs) trier trier wow i can't speak we gotta wrap this up um it's trial and error when it comes to the themes because there was a specific theme that did not do too hot with the submissions that were coming in it just we didn't get enough and we had to like independently source out for that month's uh issue of the zine but it still worked out like it's still fine but um after that it was like maybe we should reevaluate some so it's more easier and not too big of a theme but overall i think we have some really great themes planned out i agree what are you doing over there? <laughs> katie's being sneaky right now sneaky katie <laughs> Lucy looks so cute. She's my dog. <laughs> oh, well, Lucy is also Sad. on set today. Lucy is the Doors at Seven mascot. Yep. <laughs> uh, and lastly is, where do you guys see Exit 18 going? Hmm. <laughs> no, why would you just hit me in the, in the head with the mic? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's 
<clears throat> what was the question? Where do you see Exit 18 going? I think it's gonna go far. I don't know. I think it's gonna get big. And I'm excited to see where it goes. I would honestly still be happy to see it not get big. I think success for the mag is really just bringing the community together still and giving another space that people can contribute to and have their work put out and just have a voice. I agree. Yeah, I strongly agree with that. The point of the magazine was to give everyone a space to be included within their artistic abilities. And I thought it was really great because this gave us more of an opportunity to work with more artists and writers and like visual creators um, and to separate us from the music side of the scene that we're so heavily involved in we love our bands we love our bands but we love the whole community but yeah i we you know i really want to be able to include everyone who wants to be a part of this and that was the entire initial idea for me fully as like a purpose for the zine ideally i would love to see it maybe get sold in some local shops like a coffee shop or something like that so more people can see the art that's being created for it but overall, I'm content with where it's at right now in general. And then for our second to last question of the podcast, because, oh, sad, it's getting close to our time to finish. What is advice for people who want to follow in your footsteps? Which is a great question. It's really hitting for me. But you look like you want to answer it right now. No. My biggest advice for this is to just just do it. If you have the idea, if you have something you want to do, especially if it's something so community-based, just, just like, do it. Just find some of your friends who also are interested in it and start it. And don't be afraid to, like, reach out to people you don't even know. Also, don't be afraid to mess up and not have it right the first time. Yeah, because we don't even do stuff right still. At Doors at Seven. We're constantly learning how to better ourselves and our craft. So it's it's not easy either, you know, starting out an idea, you know, a venue, a magazine, any of this stuff. It's not easy, but if you have a strong enough passion to do that, it'll shine through whatever you do. If you are at a loss though, obviously reach out to us. And yeah. also, we might have some stuff in the works in the future of resources on how you all might be able to do this. Yeah, we we have a few things planned for the year. So definitely reach out to us if you have an idea that you want to see come to life that you don't fully think you could do yourself. We would love to help. So what is next for Doors at 7? The final question. Oof, what is next? Well, I would say this is uh, the next biggest thing we're doing, which is the podcast. We have very special guest uh, planned for the next episode, which we're very excited about. Yes, yes. Uh, at some point, we're eventually going to transition to video podcasts as well, so you'll not only be able to listen to us. You get to look at our pretty faces. <laughs> but you get to see us. And you get to see the other people that get to come on the show. And, oh, Katie, do you have something you want to say? Yeah, so grab your tea and join us for the party. Steeping DIY is a tea party, not only for us, but for the listeners as well. So, this was our first podcast episode. Love you guys. Really hope you liked it. I, I hope you guys really enjoyed it and want to keep listening. 
And thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you to anyone who's made it this far into listening. Yeah, if you made it this far, you're amazing. (laughs) Yeah, like if you got through this entire episode, what a thug you are. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What a real one you are. But But on that note. But on that note, it's time to bring the show to a close. Goodbye, my friends. And this has been 8 Doors at 7 production. And we will see you next time on Steeping DIY.